Ryder Nation and William Powell bringing the energy, bringing the fight, bringing the fire every game day, every practice. Let's go, Ryder Nation. Here we go. This is the Piffles Podcast, your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. We are getting ready for the semifinals. Riders, stamps, let's get it going. My name is Alex. I'm Steve. And I'm just not going to show up this week. Uh, oh, like, you know, I know, I know we're getting ready to playoffs, but I figure I'm going to take this week off. You guys don't mind. Well, I can't even see you. you barely see you. You're in the dark there. What's going on? It's his best view yet. Yeah, I was going to say it's the best light. <laughs> Good thing this isn't TV. You can give us a follow at Piffles Pod. You can follow me at Real Alex D. You'll find me at Safamod. And I do not need your pity follows at Greg on sports. Just move on. I, I That's don't quickly becoming my favorite part of the show is Greg not asking for pity follows. Piffles Podcast is brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street at Sass Drive in Regina. Check them out. Gentlemen, we have hit the playoffs in the CFL season. Let's get to it. Time for the opening kickoff. And that's my favorite part of the entire show. <laughs> Actually, you singing at the very end, which I kept in. Yes, you did. <laughs> I told you I was. Oh, I, I, like I said, me and Tyler Gilbert need to, need to collaborate. I think I think I have a hit. Like he already uh, offered to bring out his banjo. I, I think he t- gave me the harmonica. Or no, he gave the triangle. But I'm a better jug player than a triangle player. So needs more cowbell. I think this is pretty cool. Before we actually get into things here. We are actually recording this 20 days or sorry, 20 years to the day of one of my favorite rants of all time, Jim Mora's playoffs, playoffs. playoffs. And that's what we're going to talk about is playoffs in the CFL. Uh, before we do that, Riders lose to Hamilton 24 to three last week. Uh, yeah. Who cares? So the only thing from that game that was worth anything to me is Isaac Harker ended up uh, hurting his hand in that game, running his hand off a helmet. And Mason Fine ended up getting quite a bit of uh, second quarterback reps in practice on Wednesday ahead of the semifinal against the Stamps. So, I mean, hopefully we don't actually see the second quarterback unless it's a complete blowout for the Riders in the fourth quarter. But that has me just a little bit worried in the just-in-case. Well, and add in, it wasn't, uh, Dickinson said that it wasn't because of injury that uh, that Fine was throwing second reps. He said he was throwing the ball fine. He was just giving those reps to, to Mason Fine. I wonder if they just see him as the next option. How many fines can you get in that sentence? That was, that was amazing. Um, at least one more. At least one more. Fines came out today as well. Yeah, yes, they did. So <laughs> it, it was a fine day, if you will. Uh yeah, you never want to see your backup quarterback hurt going into the playoffs. That's never good, especially considering Paxton Lynch went home, but he couldn't play anyway. I, I think I actually saw someone called anti-vaxxed today, which cracked me up. <laughs> Why did we not think of that before? I know. So, like, they're kind of screwed if Harker can't go. They're down to two quarterbacks for the remainder of the playoffs. So... I don't know. Huh. I, I know. The, I know the writers were high on fine when when he came out of college. So sure, he looks like Paxton Lynch's kid because he's a foot shorter than full foot shorter than him. But 
see, and Steve, I don't, I don't buy the Craig Dickinson saying that it's not just earn those reps. This is the playoffs. Your quarterback one should be taking literally 99% of the reps. And then your quarterback two should be taking the other 1% of the, the starting reps and all of the number two reps. Like those, those guys have to be ready to go. So to change that up now makes no sense to me whatsoever. So what, what would make you think that Craig Dickinson would fib? Honest, uh, let, 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 let's let's be honest. He said a lot of dumb stuff recently. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll be interesting to see. But like I said, hopefully uh, we don't get to that point. It's Cody the whole way through, unless it's a complete blowout. Then we see they can play wildcat and just run the ball for the fourth quarter. That would be okay with me, actually. If they did that, they can always um, put All Star Nick Marshall back there. And that's the next thing: divisional All Stars, Nick Marshall and Micah Johnson, the two Ryder All Stars. Less than Ottawa. Ottawa had three all-stars. I know it's the East and it's a different division and all that, but you're a second place team. You're nine and four. You only had two. That just shows on obviously the offense got shut out, which I think we were all expecting, but I thought that there'd be a couple more on defense anyway. You had two and arguably one of them had no business being on that list. I, I love Nick Marshall and Nick Marshall, when he is on, I'd put him up against any other DB in the league. But this year, he seems to have been off just as often as he's been on. It's been a little concerning. But the one name that's missing, and I will fight this to the death, is A.C. Leonard. He put up better numbers than Jefferson and Jeffcoat. Or Jeffcoat. Yeah, Jeffcoat. In three less games. And did so on a team with a garbage offense. And you can't even use the argument that, oh, it was because of the suspension. Because Andrew Harris in 2019, while he was suspended for, well, I guess nothing ever got proven. But anyway, he still was the divisional all-star running back in 2019. So you can't use that argument. So clearly, the bias was towards Winnipeg, which, I mean, Jefferson and Jeffcoat. Two very, very solid seasons from great defensive ends there. But this is the first time in I don't know how long that the league's leading sacker didn't even get it. And that's ridiculous to me. AC Leonard should have made the divisional all-stars. He got snubbed. And I don't really know why, because you can't use that Andrew Harris argument against him. And that's that's all I saw at a bomber nation was well, you can't take you can't give it to AC because uh, because he was missing three games for a suspension and drug use and yada, yada, yada. I'm like, no, that argument doesn't hold water when, when Andrew Harris was, was an all-star. For major awards, absolutely. I get, I get snubbing players for that. you got to take some, you know, some punishment for, for missing for a PED suspension. But there's no way you can look at the rosters as they are and say A.C. Leonard does not belong on that all-star team. You just can't. And divisional. I know I, when I looked it up, uh, Harris got shut out of the uh, CFL All-Stars, not the divisional. Um, but it's definitely a Winnipeg bias on that one. But Winnipeg's defense was so good. But then you also got Woodard, too, who was right behind A.C. Leonard on sacks. Like, I don't know. I, I can't here, want... Here's the question I asked both of you. If you have to remove one of those defensive ends from Winnipeg and replace them with AC Leonard, who do you leave on? Who were your two all-stars? Cause I got into an argument about this on Twitter. 
And I'm curious where, where you guys lie. I think the easy answer is Jeff coat, but like you remove Jeff coat and replace him with AC, but that's just because Willie's Willie and he's just a freak. Well, and if you go, just go by stats, Jeff coat had the better season than, than Willie Jefferson, but Willie Jefferson commands so much and does so much more and dropping into coverage. And that's not something that Jeff coat does that you can't really ignore that either. But they ignored See, it. They ignored it when it came to Lucius. Yeah, and and that's another thing. Did he get snubbed? Because I think he did. He was I the defensive best player. But the, but the problem with Purifoy is where do you put him? You you'll have guys who have voted him in as a linebacker. You'll have guys who vote him in as a safety. You'll have guys who vote him in as a defensive back. And nobody's going to put him in all three spots. So he's splitting that vote in three ways because he's because he's Purifoy and can play every position on that. Uh, in that defensive backfield. Sorry, you couldn't make the all-star team. You're too good. <laughs> right? Well, that's but, it. Like, he, he does everything so well. You can't just slot him in one position because he's never one position long. Toby Antigua was the same type of player, just closer to the line of scrimmage because you could put him anywhere. So how, you go, how, do, how do you define him? Is he, is he a linebacker? Is he a defensive lineman? Same thing with Purifoy. Is he a safety, cornerbacker, or linebacker? And Purifoy was not happy. If you saw his <laughs> Twitter account, he was uh, he was not happy when that came out. And I'm going really to guess there's a, a bonus check in his contract for making an all-star team the way he was talking. And he absolutely deserves whatever that money is because he did get snubbed. He deserved to be on there. You just It's just hard to put him in one spot. That's his downfall. Like you said, he's too good. What about Brett Lothar? Did he get screwed? No. Honestly, between Paradis and Lothar, it, it was a coin flip to me. I, I, I can make an argument for either one. So yeah. Paradis wins that best. hands down. Those are the two best kickers in the league, and I don't think there's anybody I'd trust more than those two guys to make me a field goal at the end of the game to win. So and it, yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's not like he's going to win because uh, uh, Paradis was also the uh, nominee for most outstanding special teams player. It's not like he's going to beat Deadman. No, Deadman's going to win that for sure. And that's that's a fa- that's a fancy stat thing right there. No no yep. kicker going against returner is ever going to win that at the worst. No, not when you're as, as good as he was. And I'll, I'll say this about Lothar versus Paradez. We had we had the whole Brett Lothar saying he was the best kicker in the league last week. It it was fun. Uh, it brought a lot of discussion. Everybody was was making fun of it when he had the tickets up for um, for the game on Sunday. I was one of them. <laughs> I would say Paradis had the better season, but if you ask me today to pick a kicker for for my CFL team, I would take Lothar in a heartbeat, and I wouldn't even hesitate. Agreed. Like I, I think Lothar is the be- best kicker in the league. Paradis had a better season, mind you, but I would, yeah, you you line it up. I'm I'm picking uh, Lothar nine times out of ten. Now, one other thing I want to get to here in the opening kickoff, guys, and it comes from Craig Dickinson, uh, his media availability. said a couple things that jumped out to me, and one was about the offense. said he's disappointed in the offense, and they should be scoring more than they are, and the team should be beating teams by more than a field goal. Really? It took you 16 weeks to figure that out, Craig? Thanks. Welcome to week four, Craig. Thanks for coming out. Obviously, he's been listening to our show. Now, I know that you can't just change that in one week, and I, I totally get that, what you guys have in place and the players that you have, it's in place. 
there's only so much you can do within a week for the playoffs here. So I won't get into that one too much, but that was just one of those, like, really? Like, no kidding, you're disappointed. Thanks. Thanks, Dad, right? Like, we get it. We know. But the other one where he said he was disappointed in all the penalties that the team has taken and how undisciplined they've been this whole entire season and that they're going to fix that in the off season. And that's what got me was him saying in the off season. So it's okay if they're undisciplined in this game against Calgary and giving Bo Levi Mitchell second chances because you're roughing the passer or you're lining up offside on the goal line because you guys can't figure out that one yard means like there's a big giant line there. Do not cross. No, that's on coaching. Undisciplined teams, it comes down to coaching. And Craig, you have to take responsibility for that. That's on you. You can change that week to week. That's something that you can hammer in on the guys and get them to learn. And to me, for him to just say, brush that off and say, yeah, we'll fix that in the offseason. No, your season will end sooner. You'll have a longer offseason if you do not fix that by this upcoming Sunday. This is one of the times where I wish his clock management uh, worked in his favor and the press conference was over and he couldn't answer this question. Because, Craig, come on, man. Like, this is an issue that has plagued the entire season and you're going to go, eh, we'll work in the offseason? Like, no. Like, you are the, I think we were the highest penalized team this year by far. Like, TSN brought that stat up every game. And you're just realizing it's an issue, but you're not going to worry about it going into the playoffs. We're going to cover in the off season. I don't know how you're going to fix that in the off season, but okay. Well, they'll bring in new players because we'll have an entirely new roster. I mean, I, I get it. It you you want to talk about you want to act like it's not a big deal, and you'll you'll look at it later. But it is a huge deal. We're taking way too many second and third second and third down penalties that are giving teams chances to march down and score points or we're taking ourselves out of the opportunity to take points. Penalties are right up there with turnovers for biggest game game deciders. The fact that we were 9 and 4 in meaningful games while still leading the league in penalties is a, an absolute miracle. And if we continue that act, yeah, we might squeak by a team like Calgary, but you're not going to beat a team like Winnipeg the way they're built taking horrendous penalties play drive after drive. Yeah, that just bugged me. And Craig, you got to figure it out by this Sunday because you can't be given any team in the playoffs, let alone uh, a team on the rise like the Calgary Stampeders have been over the second half of the season. You can't give them a second chances. So hopefully they get that figured out and, and limit penalties in this upcoming game. There's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty. Let's move to our Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. We'll take a look at the other semifinal here in, in just a minute, but uh, some great cup news that uh, the Trues are going to be the uh, the tailgate after or tailgate you know pregame concert outside the stadium, and that'll be on TSN as well. I think that's pretty cool. The Trues are a good Canadian band, and I know Steve, you're heading out to the Grey Cup. That'll be something to to go see for you. So I think that's a pretty good uh, good warm up band anyway. I, I don't know if it's just me, but does it feel like the Trues are there? more often than they're not i'm okay no, with it that's trooper oh troopers tr well troopers a labor day thing troopers <laughs> there every labor day but I, I just feel like the trues have been around gray cup 
on a fairly consistent basis. And if it's if I'm right, I'm not mad about it. I think well, it's a it's a good get. It'll be a fun little pre concert pre game concert. Well, just ask the Elks. We we got to take care of our old old white fan base as well as diversifying. <laughs> oh Jesus! Should we should we get in? Okay, okay, well, okay. okay think... Sorry, that thing came out today, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like. You, they someone finally spoke the truth. It said the quiet part out loud that the league needs to diversify if they want to survive. And what they do the minute the fan base just basically piles on, they send out a press release going, "Oh uh, yeah, we, we we gotta take care of our our existing fans as well." It's like, come on. I mean, they weren't wrong with that statement. They the existing fans are important, but so is the first comment. You need to build a more diverse fan base. Canada, over the last 20, 30 years, has become a giant mixing pot of, of different ethnicities and religions and everything. But if you look around Mosaic Stadium or McMahon Stadium or anywhere else in the CFL, I mean, we're three middle-aged white guys. And I'm pretty sure... Easy. Ouch. I mean... I know I'm a man, I'm 40, but I'm middle-aged. <laughs> My bad. Early middle-aged. But I, I would say we make up a pretty accurate current demographic for the CFL. You know, they need to attract more women. They need to attract people of all backgrounds if they want to grow. Look at what MLS has done. I dare you to compare the stands for a, a Toronto FC game versus a uh, Toronto Argos game. Now, ignore the the vast difference in crowd size, but look at the people. The CFL needs to market to everyone, and they don't. But on the flip side, the the team coming out and basically backtracking right off the bat was kind of, you know. Oh, it's par for the course. Yeah. But it's not hard to see. Like like I said, when, when the first comment came out, I'm like, like, look at the Grey Cup halftime argument every year. You, you get all these people going, well, I don't know who that is. I remember Alessia Caro as the uh, halftime show. I never seen so many people freak out and basically were like, well, what, what, where's where's Trooper? Where's Harlequin? Where's I'm like, come on. <laughs> Give me a break. You didn't see any of that when BTO was the halftime show. Get to the taking care of business part. And when we're talking about halftime shows anyway, they're not marketing towards the people that are already going to be watching the game. The people that have watched the CFL for 30 years that know BTO, they're, they're not marketing towards you. They're trying to market towards your kids. They're trying to market towards new people that are into music now. And that's why I think, I mean, the Arkells are a fantastic choice. We talked about this, the no-brainer choice. I want to see Sean Mendez as a halftime show. He's one of the most sought-after artists musicians in the world right now and he's canadian get him in here he reaches such a totally different demographic he's not going to hit the young young boys but he's going to hit the young girls the teenage girls that absolutely love this guy look at the nfl uh, super bowl halftime show which i understand boatloads of money different but after the entire justin timberlake janet jackson thing they went so vanilla for years this year it's Eminem and Dr. Dre. Like, what the hell? Like, they they are realizing they need to actually expand their market more than what they are. And the NFL's a friggin' juggernaut. They don't need to do it. They they could have 
rolled out uh, Bruce Springsteen again if they really wanted to, and everyone would have been happy with it. When you talk about good Canadian acts, hell, was it last year or the year before the NFL had the weekend? Last year. Yeah. That last year? Like, like you want to talk about a guy who would bring in eyeballs to the CFL. If the NFL thinks he's good enough to perform their halftime show, the CFL should be breaking down his door going, hey, we're here too. I mean, I (laughs) doubt they could afford his, his, what he would charge for that. But I mean, the 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 halftime show, it's all about building for the future. The people in the stands, for the most part, don't care about the halftime show. That's a chance to go pee and grab a beer. The only time the CFL ever beat the NFL to a halftime show was the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> the NFL beat uh, Canada, uh, the CFL, to Shania Twain, for God's sakes. Yeah, but they didn't have her with dog, on dog sled. sled. Yeah, well. yeah. Good luck doing and, that, uh, Miami. Yeah. Uh, one more thing, just on uh, on music here while we're at it. Stephen Lee Olson going to play at the Grey Cup too cool yeah okay yeah all right it's gonna show us show us what he's made of of, hate that song uh so (laughs) i can bring back long with the night at this point i'm i'm sick of the i'm sick of this other one already i never thought the day would come where i would be (laughs) wishing that the rec claws were back in the in the cfl's good graces i would love to see Stephen lee olsen on stage and then the rec claws just come in like like the old uh honky tonk man with a guitar and then play long live the night and let's just move on I'm trying to figure out whether it would be Jenna or Stu Walker that would come out with the guitar. I think it would be Jenna. I think, I think she has so a too. Mean streak to her, I, I think I think it would be better if she did it. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's let's get to the Elks. You mentioned that, but they they cleared house. They got rid of CEO President Chris Presson, who was a stupid hire to begin with because he was with an indoor football league in Arizona because that has everything to do with the CFL and marketing towards Canadian fans especially a community-owned team like Edmonton, firing Brock Sunderland, which I think was a no-brainer, and also the coach, Jamie Elizondo. And they're bringing in Wally Buono to assist with who they're going to bring in for GM as a consultant. I don't know what to think of that. I have the utmost respect for everything Wally Buono's done in the CFL. He's an absolute legend. And we've... Like I've talked to him, he's a wonderful, wonderful man. He knows what he's talking about. But at the same time, when you're talking about Edmonton and how they're going through the name change and they are, they've already lost fans because of that and they're losing fans because the team is garbage right now, you have to attract younger, young fans. I don't know if Wally is, and then this is just maybe some ignorance on my end showing, Is does, does Wally connect with young view, potential viewers? I don't know. Because is he going to just tell you to hire some guy that's been in the league for 30 years already? Because if that is, what's the point? Like they got a big, they have this, this might be the most important hire in the off season. It's Edmonton getting their GM right. And their president. I can't wait for Wally Buono to hire Jim Barker. This is going to be so (laughs) great. But I, I, I love Wally. Well, you, I do. I, I, you got to get to the young crowd. Like, I mean, his daughter, Christy, Christina, is uh, she's in, in touch with, with young people. Like, I mean, she knows what's going on. Hopefully, she's kind of assisting in that role that we're just not hearing about. But if but it's is, just Wally, the, I don't is, know. Is the general manager actually going to sell tickets? That's that's the point. Unless it's going to be like a name high. Like, well, every, everyone immediately, Chris Jones, Chris Jones, Chris Jones. That will That will get headlines that will 
get a few people's eyebrows up. Is it going to bring in new fans? No, but who as a GM is actually going to bring in new fans? Like they, what they need to do is they need to get a GM with a plan that will grow the brand, grow, make a winning team, make it younger, faster, put an exciting football team out there. I just don't know who it's going to be. I can't remember which, uh, which reporter out of Winnipeg had an article today and they, they commented about how if you're, if you're Edmonton right now and your plan is to bring in, you know, that fresh look, that new look management team and you turn around and hire arguably the oldest of the old boys club. I mean, it's, it's not off to a good start no matter how you look at it. I, we all love Wally Buono. I mean, he was the guy we all loved to hate for years at Mosaic Stadium. Most rushing yards on Taylor Field. (laughs) Right? Like, (laughs) I still want to scream, get off the field, Wally. And he's been retired for how many years? But they need to be smart with this decision. They need to go, if not with a name, they need to stop recycling the same names over and over and over again. And I think that's where the CFL has an issue is it's the same 20 names that rotate through every roster. There's, here, there's no new fresh blood. Well, the thing is though, they, they made, they made the apparently young hire with Sunderland and look at the gong show that created. Like <coughs> who's, who's the next one up? Like right now, I the don't assistant know. In Winnipeg. Yeah. Good luck getting them out of there, though, right now. But then again, if I'm in Winnipeg, maybe I want my own team. I don't know. But you don't. Hey, want, I, but you don't know who your boss is because they haven't made a decision on when they're going to hire a president. And so you're going into a job not knowing who your boss is going to be. Like Edmonton needs to get their president in place before, and then work your way down. I understand you need a GM, but then let Wally be the temporary GM until you hire a president who can hire his guy. Like. I, I really want to see them do it completely backwards. Hire the head coach, then hire GM, then hire the president. Let's just see what happens. Let <laughs> chaos reign. I, I think if you're looking at a head coach, the obvious choice is Rafi from the league. Sorry, uh, Mark Killam. Yes. Is, is the is the clear choice. I don't think, I think Alex got that reference. No, no. I, I I love the league. I'm gonna uh, I need to go back and watch it. Um, oh yeah, yeah Killam looks like Rafi. Hundred oh, yeah. percent looks like or, Rafi. Or, or Adrian Pimento. Yeah. <laughs> but Mark Mark Killam is absolutely the right answer. That's oh, who the he head is. coach should be. And I agree. And there, there's your young guy. There, there's a guy that can trot in front of the media who's got a million-dollar smile. And anytime he's, on, anytime he's been on, the, on air, he's always said the right things. And the players love him. Like, players from other teams love that man. So I think he's the best choice for head coach. It's, but it's going to depend on who your GM is and if they're going to hire him. If, he, if he's not on their short list, they've already made a mistake. Period. We we know at the end of the day it's just gonna be Chris Jones for all three positions, right? <laughs> and pre- president, head coach, general manager, defensive coordinator. He might even throw his name in the ring for offensive coordinator. Four paychecks. Uh, quarterbacks coach. I, I joked about that on Twitter, and I said, "Okay, hear me out." CEO and president, Chris Jones. GM, Chris Jones. Head coach, Chris Jones. The amount of people that thought I was serious uh, was hilarious to me. I'd love it. Don't get me wrong. I, I, w- I would enjoy the chaos I would come from it. No, I think it ultimately comes down to what do they want out of Edmonton here? Do they want to rebuild that culture, that winning ways that Edmonton used to have or like, and have 
good people in place or do they just want to win? I, well, I will really, say this. Chris Jones back in Edmonton would be hilarious after all the crap they threw his way <laughs> after he left. Like, there'd be a lot of tweet deleting. We should go take some of those screenshots now before uh, before he gets hired. Because you know their fan base is going back through their history going, uh, 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 delete, delete, delete. Because that was not a friendly fan base after he jumped ship. No. Hire Mark Killam. He played for the University of Alberta, so he was in Edmonton before. He's was the team captain there, graduated there. And in the CFL, he's been with Calgary from 2005 on. Like he's been in the league for a long, long time. That's your guy. And I don't, I don't think it matters who the GM is at that point, but you got to have a good coach here. And like, I mean, all it does matter who the GM is, obviously, but it's, uh, they they need to nail this because when you have loyal fans like they do have in Edmonton that stop showing up to games because they only had a couple thousand in their last couple of home games, that's a big problem. What they need to do, and I know I joked about culture the entire time, they need to go back. And, and this is actually a CFL-wide problem, is the league needs to realize they're not the NFL. They're not NFL light. They are still a very much small league that needs to be in the community. They need to be in schools. They need to do all the stuff that they used to do. Like give, like have a player go speak to kids, give a bunch of tickets out and then they'll bring their parents. Like you need to get butts in the seats in order to have people enjoy the product. They're not tuning in on TV anymore unless it's a rider game. And, and this it's is not like thing- Edmonton can't afford to give away seats. They, they have a 60,000 or 70,000 seat stadium <laughs> paper, the ever loving hell out of it. And Get the fans in the stands. The problem is, is the owners don't want to do that league. The league doesn't want to do that. They don't want to paper it because they don't want to devalue their product. And to me, that's a garbage reason, especially in a place like Edmonton, where you have 55,000 seats and 30,000 of them are empty every game. Get people in there. And honestly, this is something I want to ask Randy Ambrosi. Like, how do you market to each individual city, but also as a league as a whole? Because there is no marketing right now. I And... Like Greg, like you said, getting out into the schools and getting the kids invested into it because they had Dan Clark show up and give them a high five. Like they, that's cool to them, right? So the best way, the best way to get parents to spend money is get their kids involved. You get their kids loving something, (laughs) parents will spend money on it. Like I I am sorry. uh, I hear though, dance is cheap though. So uh, if you want to get you. Dance is not cheap. Cheer, okay, cheer is worse. <laughs> cheer is worse. I'm telling you that right now. Um, but yeah, that's exactly it. And I honestly, I, I want to ask Randy about that because I get it. COVID years, so let, let's just be happy we have a season. Um, but this is the perfect. Honestly, this is the good, perfect reason to paper the league. Yeah, is because people are coming out. People had tough financial times last year. This would have been a perfect year to give away tickets or do two for ones or something just to get people in the stands. So you can start building that fan base again. Cause unfortunately a year, uh, a year away, obviously did a lot of damage to a bunch of fans going, you know what? I don't need to watch CFL every week. There should not be an empty seat in any stadium on a, at any given t- game. If you can't sell the ticket, give it away. Because what are those fans going to do when they walk in the door? Spend money. Nobody goes to a game and 
and well, people do, but for the most part, you go to the game, you buy a beer, you buy a hot dog, maybe you buy a hat. Well, now I've got a hat. I should probably wear that for another game. I'll go to another game. Like you get that interest in them right off the bat. And suddenly there's a reason to go back, but an empty seat doesn't do it good for anybody. An empty seat doesn't buy a beer, doesn't buy merch, doesn't come back. Well, it might come back. That's the problem. Man, if an empty seat could uh, buy a $9 beer, holy crap, the writers made a lot of money this year. <laughs> we could do a full show on just marketing, and maybe we'll have to do that in the offseason. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's it's not looking good right now in the CFL on that front. That's the Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. Let's get to our previews here of the CFL semifinals. Really quickly, Hamilton, Montreal. I think this is going to be a very, very good game, but I just don't see guaranteed Montreal, Montreal. win night. Gordon Patrick what? levels guaranteed Montreal win. I love that. Why not? Who cares? Of course, you're going to say that you're going to win, right? Like, what else is he going to say? I love that he called out Coach Orlando Steinauer in that, though. He called out, you know, Brandon, put it on the wall, stamp it. That's what I'm saying. We're going to win. I trust my team behind me. They trust me. We're going to go out there and do this. Brandon Banks, bring it on. Coach O, bring it on. Yes, that's what we need. We need that. And going back to marketing, that's what they should have. The CFL should have been all over that. That should have been everywhere. The CFL should have articles, videos, posts on social, everything. That should Patrick Levels should have been everywhere on that guarantee. The CFL didn't touch it once. And that bugs me because you're trying to sell this, this playoff game. This guy guaranteed a win. You don't get guys in sports guaranteeing wins very often. They all believe they'll win and they have to have that approach, but they very rarely guarantee it. Get this guy out there because that was awesome to see. Just Joe Namath guaranteeing yeah. wins and telling us about paper lock. That's all he does. You know what would be really good at a helmet collection? A Joe Namath helmet. I'm going to kill you. I, I will I will come through this computer and strangle you. I mean, what what does a guy have to lose when he guarantees a win? You lose. It's not like you have to play again next week. Yeah. And so you win. Public, you look like a genius. Public ridicule. You'll have some guys on Twitter saying, oh, you guaranteed a loss. Ha, ha, ha. Or you guaranteed a win. Ha, ha, ha. You lost. Cool. Thanks, Greg. Oh four three nine eight four three six on Twitter. Like, oh, I mean, okay, sure, you give that guy a shout out, but me, you won't give me a pedic follow. I get it. All right. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. you in the same me. sense, he just gave away your burner account. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> exactly. You, you still got a few in the pocket. So anyway, the game itself, Hamilton and Montreal. I think it'll be a good game, but I just don't see a way that Hamilton loses at home. I don't think so either. I think yeah, Hamilton is walking into Toronto easily. I think it's the opposite. I think I think the pressure of Grey Cup at home gets to gets to the Ticats. And I think they lose and I don't think it's pretty. I'm I'm going, going with, double digits. Going with a Trevor Harris route. Yep. Wow. I'm already on record predicting a, an Argos Riders Grey Cup, so I think if I think if they win this week though, if Hamilton wins on Sunday, they're in the Grey Cup. But I think if Montreal wins, Toronto is. And of course, the Riders against the Stamps Sunday afternoon. I don't know what to make of this. It should be a close game just based on the three games that they had against each other the whole season long. So, all, and 
Stamptober in, in October, those three games were decided by six total points between the three of them. The Calgary Stamps have Stampeders had a plus six um, points for and against in that series. This is going to be a very, very close game. A couple questions on this I'll throw to you guys. Which Bo Levi Mitchell is going to show up? Because we've seen Bo Levi Mitchell start the games against the Riders very hot, scoring off touchdowns on either the first play of the game or the first couple drives, and then cooled off the entire game. Are we going to get the Bo Levi Mitchell who just is cold for most of the game? Or is this team kind of done enough, you know, on the on the incline here to be a formidable offense in this game? The, the one thing that they've got back that scares me now, and we, we joked about it when we had uh, Danny Austin on, um, but Reggie Bagleton seems to have changed things in Calgary. We thought he would take a few weeks or a few months to, to warm up, and he came right in, and it, it was like he never, never left. He's the guy that scares me. Bo Levi Mitchell doesn't at all. He's just, he's not the same quarterback as he was. And I know saying that now he's going to throw for seven touchdowns and 480 yards. And I'll have, I'll have Calgary fans in my mentions, but I, I'm not worried about him. He's going to make mistakes. That's what he's been doing all year. I'm worried. I'm worried specifically about Kadeem Carey and Reggie Bagleton. That's it. This game is going to be one of two things. It's either going to be a blow by Calgary, or it's going to be like super tight. And I'm going to be like chewing my nails the entire game. There's going to be no, like riders in or out never, um, or it's going to be over like by the end of the first quarter, uh, or it's going to feel like it's over. Like the world's closest route that we play to play with them in the second game of this series. I, I don't know. I, the riders find this way to just be in neutral against the stamps, and I don't get it. They only lose against the Stamps, and they only lose against the Bombers. And hopefully it's not the uh, not this week, though. I'm not confident going in this week. I can't help it. I'm not. Okay, well, let's uh, get to Steve mentioned Kadeem Carey. Kadeem Carey going up against, well, I guess Micah Johnson, Garrett Marino, the very good defensive line for the Riders, and Dion Lacey, the linebacker in the middle there. Is stopping Kadeem Carey this team's number one priority? Yes. Or... Hundred percent. You guys think it is? It's not. Uh, it's not taking away Reggie Bagleton. It's it's Kadeem nope. Carey. I'm not. You stop worried. Kadeem Carey. You stop Reggie Bagleton. Yeah, I'm not worried about our secondary covering Bagleton as much as I am our line stopping Carey because Carey sliced and diced us that one game like bad. The Riders have. I will put them up against any other defensive line in the league. If if there's a D line out there that can stop Andrew Harris and Kadeem Carey, it's ours. I mean, you got Micah Johnson who's constantly in in the backfield ac leonard had a bunch of tackles for losses sacks everything that goes with his position that that foursome up front should do the job but if they don't we're in trouble because that's that's where they'll beat us i'm going to throw out an x factor here on the kadeem carry talk and i'm going to talk about the the nice weather we're supposed to have for it potentially plus eight for kickoff as a as a high on sunday if that is, and it is that nice of a game, I like the Riders' odds at stopping Kadeem Carey, and at, or at least containing him. If it is um, Saskatchewan, November twenty eighth day, and it's you know zero below, getting below, and to minus ten kind of thing, 
which I mean, we've <laughs> lived in Saskatchewan long enough. It can go from a high of plus eight one day to a high of minus eight the next day. So I'm still not sold that it's actually going to be plus eight. Grey Cup Sunday. 2013 minus 44 the day before Grey Cup. She was plus four at kickoff. That that was an anomaly because everything that could have gone right for the riders actually finally did. And I don't think that'll ever happen again <laughs> in my lifetime. Um, but if it's if it's a cold game, then I think Kadeem Carey has the, the advantage there. I mean, I feel like you could say that against with almost any top tier running back. It's it, when it once the weather turns to that cold weather, it becomes a running league, and you have to have a top tier running back to have any success in the playoffs. I, I agree with Trevor. you. Or I said top tier running back. <laughs> but I, I just I, I just I don't know it, where we got confused there. I just find it funny though. Immediately it's like, oh, it's it's warm weather. Gonna be throwing the ball. If you know, if you know, you can run it down the the rider's throat. Why, why are you even, uh, uh, even going to a passing game? Like feed Kadim carry, and if it's not working, then you worry, worry about it. But it's I I don't I, Dickinson's been in the league long enough that I think he understands what his team does well, and I I think we're going to get a healthy dose of Kadim carry no matter what the weather is. Now flipping over to the other side of the ball with the riders on the offense. My only question, like we know this offense isn't going to score a lot of points. They haven't, and it'd be really ridiculous to think otherwise. My question is, will they score two touchdowns in this game as opposed to one and a bunch of field goals? Because I think if they score two touchdowns, they have a legit chance to win. If they only score one, they're not going to win. They will get a defensive one. That That might be the way we get two. I'm going to go way off the deep end here. And I know being King Homer, this is completely unpredictable. And this has never happened in the entire history of our show. But I think this is the game the offense finally wakes up and plays like they did the first half of the first game of the year. I think they finally show up. I think Duke Williams has a huge game. I'm putting him at 120 yards at halftime. He's going absolutely off. And the Riders win big because they scored three offensive touchdowns in the first half. Okay. That's too far in the game. Isn't the definition of insanity, um, having things happen over and over and over again and expecting something different each time. I don't think we've ever questioned my sanity before. It doesn't (laughs) exist. It's not there. And I know I'm the ultimate Homer. I, I always expect better than what they've shown me. And that will never change. I, I can't help it. It's the playoffs now. You gotta you gotta hope for the best and prepare for also the best. Because there's no tomorrow. I don't want to come back and record next week talking about Winnipeg versus Calgary. Woof. J- j- just ask Andrew Harris. The cheetah can't change his spots. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I am why I like, what I say I am. The reason why I like this offense to score two touchdowns. I'm gonna say they're gonna score three touchdowns in this game. Is that? West semifinals against the Stampeders, the Riders don't lose them. They just don't. Okay, well, 2012. I was gonna say uh, we won't. They, they, they blew. They blew. They blew a good one. The Riders don't lose them except when they do. Yes, just that one when uh, Greg Carr gave us oh. the lead, and uh, then yeah, the defense blew that one. No doubt. Talk ever. about that. Really though, the Riders should have won that game. Yeah, they just don't. I, whatever it is, they just don't. 
And it'll be nice to finally actually get a playoff win at Mosaic Stadium. Of course, the Riders sitting there with a lovely 0-2 home playoff record since the new stadium opened. Of course, both those were against Winnipeg. So at least uh, a little bit of hope there that we don't have to play Winnipeg and not worry about not scoring a touchdown against them at home. And then we can go into their barn and do what they've done to us the last few years. That'll if be that fun. Happens, if that happens, I will, I don't know, eat my shirt. I don't know. You, you heard it here, guys. The expression is, I don't know. I, but I'd, we'll talk about that next week anyway, if it, if it is something to talk about. So, Rider Stamps, we have the Alouettes at the Ticats. Our predictions, gentlemen, Eastern Conference, Steve, you're Montreal. Greg and I are both Hamilton. Yep. Calgary and Saskatchewan, who wins? Uh, Steve, let's not be, let's, yeah, let's let's not let's let's not waste time, Saskatchewan. Greg, you mentioned that you don't. I'm not confident, but you don't. Yeah, I'm still taking the Riders, but I, it's gonna be tight. It's not. It's not gonna be in typical Rider fashion. It's not gonna be an easy way. It's not gonna be easy. No, this is gonna be a very close game, and it very well could and likely will come down to who gets the ball last and which kicker gets to uh, get the game-winning field goal. The league's best kicker will kick the winning field goal. <laughs> I actually joked about this at work. Be like, wouldn't it be funny because both these kickers are so damn good, Renee Paredes and Brett Lother, that it comes down to a game-winning field goal from like 40 yards out, and the team that's driving, whoever it is, is like, yeah, we got this. Our kicker's going to nail it. We, he's Mr. Automatic, and he'll miss. I'm like, that wouldn't just be the, the thing, right? Like, that just makes too much sense to me. Oh, if that happens, I hope to God it's Paradise after all of the <laughs> right. Stamps fans got, got so angry over uh, Lothar's comments. That would be just pure so delicious. Butt hurt. That was crazy. It's, it's oh, a I kicker. Yeah. Like, oh, kick, guys, kickers, kickers aren't people. Like, just don't, they, they don't say anything. Like, come on. I do think the Riders win. I think it's a very close game. I think it's a, again, a, it's a field goal game. So I'm sorry, Rider Nation. I picked the Riders to win. But uh, I think it's going to be – this is going to be a fantastic game. Like, I'm not expecting um, high, high scoring by any means, at least in terms of, you know, shooting it out 40 to 39 or anything like that. I think it's going to be a 24-22 kind of game. But it's going to be a very, very good, entertaining game. And I was talking about this with somebody at work, and maybe you guys can weigh in on it here too. With the CFL as a whole, just kind of down this year in attendance, the games, we've talked about how terribly these games have been for the most part this year. 75% of games have absolutely sucked. How important is it for the league to have these five playoff games just be good games and have a strong playoffs? Absolutely vital. Yeah. At least at least a good chunk of them. At least three or four of them have to be Either good, tight, well played games, or somebody has to show up. You need some. You need some excitement, even if it's a forty to twelve blowout. You need something in there to to talk about a big play or you know a nice run. Some something there to wow. A local people. kid running for two hundred yards or something, right? Yeah, something something there, something to market for the future. Well, I don't think we'll have any problem in the West because I think. This semifinal is going to be great. Whichever team wins and goes to Winnipeg, that's going to be a good Western final. I think the East will be good, at least in the 
the East final if Hamilton wins because Hamilton versus Toronto, that's a great marketing right there just for a Grey Cup berth. So I think that'll be fantastic. And then, I mean, the Grey Cup's the Grey Cup, right? So I think it's important with how much this league has lost. If they can have five really good games here, that's a big win for the league in the future. And I just think that's a big thing. All right. Well, everybody, enjoy the uh, the playoffs this weekend. Hopefully it's, uh, like we said, it's going to be, should be nice on Sunday for the game. So hopefully that uh, the stadium sells a little bit better for that. And we can see uh, a pretty close to a sellout at Mosaic on Sunday. And uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully talking about the big riders win and, and heading off to Winnipeg. That's it. Back to Winnipeg. <laughs> Sad you didn't make that joke, Greg. I was, I was set that up for yeah, you. Yeah, you know. I, I, I want to go see the Wig Sphere. Can we? I, I want to go to that first. <laughs> Piffles Podcast brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks to Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support making this show possible. Piffles Podcast is a proud member of the CFPN, the Canadian Football Podcast Network and a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Craig, you know what time it is. It's karaoke time. This is Ghost Behind Your Mind by Tyler Gilbert. Edmonton needs a new culture. The 